Welcome to Respawn Aim Fire, the kick-ass irreverent video game podcast where three lifelong friends gather to talk about video games. I'm Holden. That's Chad. Hey! For those of you not watching the video version, which is probably all of you because we're so lazy asses, I'm just flexing. <laughs> flexing in the camera. Look at those muscles! Those are Chad's muscles, and you're you, and that's why we love you. <laughs> I didn't get to finish it, Chad. You had to talk about your muscles. Oh, you never get to finish. Because all your sexual partners are terrible. <laughs> I'm just very uh, generous. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. We got a lot to talk about. <laughs> there's going to be just a lot of Cyberpunk 2077 stuff because there's a lot of news in that realm. Uh, developers shared their thoughts on Xbox Game Pass, which I thought was interesting. Are you okay, Chad? Oh, sorry. No, I just drank freezing cold water after I just ate two Icebreakers mints. Oh, oh. God. Bad decision. Very bad decision. Woo! <laughs> I'll probably accidentally do that two more times. Speaking of bad decisions, we'll be talking about maybe some VR games that shouldn't be made. Also, some oh. ones that should be made as well. Oh. Starting off, though, let's go to <clears throat> Nintendo news. Nintendo! Nintendo! Look at your quest log, Nintendo! I just wanted to start off with this Nintendo story here about Luigi's Mansion because I can't wait for this game. So we finally know how many floors make up Luigi's Mansion 3's hotel. This is from Ryan Craddock at Nintendo Life. 17 floors. Me 17 many. floors that mansion. That's too many floors. <laughs> we'll see. Time will tell. Um, so some added context. I went to the time to play just to see how long each Luigi's Mansion game was. On GameCube, Luigi's Mansion was apparently six hours on average. And that was just for one large mansion. And then Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon had 14 hours of gameplay with five smaller mansions. Multiple floors per mansion as well. This is 17. This is going to be way bigger than I expected. I kind of had a takeaway, which is just that if there's one hour of gameplay per floor, it's the longest Luigi's Mansion game. And let's be honest, it's probably going to be longer than one hour per floor. It's too many. Too many hours. But you know what's impressive? If you think about GameCube to the Dark Moon to this one... You know, GameCube, they had to fit six hours on one tiny baby disc. Yeah. A little baby GameCube disc. And then they shrunk that down and they said, you think we can do it? Yeah, we can fit even more on a tiny 3DS cartridge. And now they're shrinking the cartridge even more to an SD card and you can fit even more content on it. Holden. Yeah. Data like, does not equal like technology, volume. not so much Nintendo. Oh, just mind boggling. Later on, we'll talk about Nintendo's view on uh, chasing technology and how is, that all goes. For real, is this is this? Am I, oh my god! I swear to science, I'm my banjo. Sorry, every time that I speak loudly, it reverberates through my banjo and it goes, <laughs> and you can kind of hear it in the room. I don't know if you can hear it on the recording, but it's driving it's like me deliverance, crazy. like oh, yeah, is it like a creepy like deliverance thing or something? That <laughs> deliverance <laughs> has yeah. squeal like a pig. Yeah, that's deliverance. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna get some soundproofing panels for my room. Anyway, sorry. That much Luigi's Mansion. Do you think that's like, are you at all concerned that it's too no, much Luigi's Mansion? Not at all. No? So Luigi's Mansion 2, I loved it so much because they packed so much gameplay stuff into that 15 hours or 14 hours that I heard 17 and I'm like, I don't think they would do that unless it was good. And they also talk about in the story too how they're just not adding any more content. They could have added more content, but they decided not to because the story is what it is, and they're not adding anything else past that. So it actually feels like, if anything, they could have stretched it out if they wanted to, and they're choosing not to, and it's still the longest Luigi's Mansion game. I'm very excited about this. I'm very excited about this. To me, I enjoyed the first level of Dark Moon, 
I had a fun time, but it just wasn't enough to make me want to do that again four more times for those other. Okay, you need to play the other mansions though, because it's all every mansion is very unique in its own way. But like, but even looking at this, I feel it's you know what it's like, Captain Treasure, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh man, ten levels is halfway through the game, and then you find out, oh wait, no, there's actually twenty levels, and oh wait, no, there's actually thirty thousand levels. <laughs> when it was twenty, I was that like, was oh the yeah, exact I can play number, this game. By the way, thirty thousand levels. You're right. <laughs> when it was twenty, I was like, yeah, I can play this game. That's fine. I'll get to the end of it. And then whenever I found out you you were like, oh, there's a book too. I was like, oh god, forty. Okay, yeah, that's manageable. And then three. you told me there's like a book seventy, and I'm like, nope, I'm literally not playing another level because that's too many levels. <laughs> and I enjoyed Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. But it was just, yeah, knowing that there was that much content in there and that I was only scratching the surface, it was just too much. It was overwhelming. That's why mm-hmm. I can't play The Witcher. Yeah, I feel you. Are you going to have the same thought about Cyberpunk then? I feel you, Johanna. We'll get there um, when we get there. We get there when Cyberpunk. We get there. Yeah, TBD. Uh, so, all right, other big Nintendo story here is that they announced during uh, a Q&A with investors that they have over 10 million Nintendo Switch Online accounts. Mm. Um, and again, I wanted to provide some context for that as well. And actually, this is hard context to provide. So there's 34.74 million Switch units available, sorry, sold worldwide. That's according to Nintendo's own website. That's the latest so it's like information. like 30% basically of... Yeah, roughly 30, a little under 30%, but yeah, about 30%. And I wanted to compare that to how Xbox and how Sony are doing. I'm going to start with Sony, actually, even though I have it written the other way around. Um, so the number of, of subscribers on PlayStation Plus worldwide from 2014 to 2018, I got the information from Statista, uh, they have 36.3 million PlayStation Plus accounts, and that's with about 90 million PS4s out there. But what makes this number hard to figure out really is you have PS4, PS3, and Vita can use an intent, a PS, uh, blah, PSN account. So how much of that's on PS3 versus PS4 versus Vita, I don't know. Yeah, But even if we assume... It's all PS4. It's about roughly where Nintendo would be as it's well. About thirty percent. About thirty percent. Um, but you look at you look at Microsoft, and hot damn, they have sixty four million active users on Xbox Gold, and that's again between Xbox. That's about two hundred percent. Well, Xbox One family, the three sixty, but they also include Windows ten Xbox integration. Is how they refer to it. So that's harder to determine the context of. At face value, I think you'd say, hey, they're not actually doing that bad. But their service costs a third of the right. price. And so I actually think this really should be higher. I think so, too. That's what I was going to say. Is like, this sounds like, oh, man, they're on par with PlayStation. But, you know, they cost a third the price. They provide a lot less value, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm actually surprised that it's not more. You know, with the family yeah. plan, you can get it for, like, literally $2 a year. Or something like, or what, what like a dollar fifty a month, or something like that. Yeah, two dollars a year would be like ridiculous. Yeah, How like is that. not everyone? Well, for me, it? it's three dollars a year because I just mooch off of you. But, <laughs> but yeah, for for something, and uh, to be honest, hundred percent, don't use it. None of it, not a single piece of it. Do you not use it because you're not using your Switch, or because you're not using online games in your Switch? I'm not using. I'm using my Switch, obviously now more than I have my commute. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just I don't use it. The cloud storage, literally like half of my games don't take advantage of the cloud storage. Yeah. That's a big fault with it, yeah. Yeah, and I, don't, I have not opened up the NES thing once. I have it downloaded, but I haven't opened mm-hmm. it up once. Yeah. I, I think the online service has gotten a lot of unjustified criticism in the regard of connectivity not being good. I've never had a connectivity issue with Nintendo Switch Online. All I have tried it. Yeah, all the, I've, I've tried it quite a bit. I played Mario Kart Online a lot. Um, but... 
Smash Bros got some criticism, but I think it was just a Smash Bros thing. I don't think that was a Switch Online thing. <clears throat> but here's the real issue with Nintendo Switch Online, is that if I want to play Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe with my friends, can't do that. If I if I want to play Mario Kart online with my friends, I can't play with other people online with my friends as well. I have to play against the computer. And it's the same thing with Smash Bros. This is a trend across their games. And it makes absolutely no sense. To give them credit, Super Mario Maker 2, you'll be able to play with your friends online. It's a big plus. But they had to... Can you have multiplayer? Oh, yeah, that was part of the big shtick of 2. So yeah, they had... Multiplayer. Okay. Yeah, they had, an... they had to do an update to it. So it's not there at launch. They kind of realized... Uh, they done fucked up, and now they're going <laughs> they to do it. Up. And now they're going to do it. So I think that the real thing that Nintendo needs to do, rather than like creating a pro version <laughs> of their service or anything like that, is really just make it so that it's a standard. If there's a game that has multiplayer in any capacity, I'm not talking Zelda because that's not like a multiplayer game. I'm not talking about Mario Odyssey because that's like a specifically a local multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. I'm talking the past examples I just gave. Mario Kart, Super Smash Bros., like Mario Tennis Aces, Mario Kart, uh, Super Mario Remaker. You have to have the ability to play with your friends online. That's not hindered in any way. That's what's holding it back, because it's not worth it. That's the main crux of what an online service should be. Yeah, it's stupid. It's very stupid. But you, the cloud point you brought up is really good, too. And um, <laughs> I think they touted how they're happy with the NES library as well. Um, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Does, anyone, does anyone care? Do you care at all about no. those NES games? Not of uh, one fuck. Like what would make what kind of games do they have to offer where you'd be interested in getting Xbox Game online? Pass? <laughs> Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> you know, that's pretty likely. I think that might happen. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> GameCube. Yeah. Part of what I was excited about for on the when I got my Wii was like, oh, I could finally play GameCube games that I never got a chance to play. So if mm-hmm. I had that ability to play those on Switch, I think that would do it for me. I I, I already like the SNES. I've got the SNES Classic. I've played those games a shit ton on emulators, on my Vita, on all sorts of things over the years. Um, so I don't think that would much do it for me. I agree. But yeah, I think GameCube's the, the thing. GameCube be big for me. GameCube's such an underrated generation. There's some brilliant know. games. I played Metroid exactly. Prime. I played Melee. I played... That might have been it. Yeah. So So many games. I mean, I, I would, honestly, I just want Wind Waker on, on the Switch. That's really what I want. Whether it's the HD version or the regular GameCube version, I just want that. Can you imagine if the HD version, like, couldn't run on the Switch? <laughs> like, it was too HD <laughs> from the Wii U, then they couldn't get it to run on the Switch? No, it would be able to run on the Switch. Do you think they would offer both? Like, if they offered the the GameCube version of it, do you think they would also offer the Wii U version? Probably not, and that's why I, I'm kind of holding out for a GameCube virtual console kind of like service. Yeah. Because I feel like they would have already released Wind Waker HD. I feel I mean, like... All the HD ports they brought over from the Wii U, that would have been a golden one to bring over. Yeah. I feel like if this were PlayStation, PlayStation 100% would be like, we're going to just release the remaster and you can pay for that. And then you look at Xbox and you can do things like, oh, you can buy Gears of War on Xbox One and it's like... uh upgraded for it or you can buy gears of war remastered which is an xbox one game like it's the same game but just rem- like you could they offer you both options yeah so you could pay for the old crappy one or the new one but either way you're paying for it on xbox one i don't know where As, switch would probably fall on that yeah especially with nintendo uh choice is not something they like to offer their consumers right even choice of it at all <laughs> yeah sometimes that yeah, just the lack of choice is what they love <laughs> not not oh. for real not for real sorry 
Are we, are we almost almost? I just had one quick Nintendo question yeah. to ask you. Yeah, go, go ahead. Go for it. So I bought one of those Nintendo vouchers. Oh, yeah, you did. Um, I bought it online on the website. I don't know if there was an option to buy it in the eShop on the mm-hmm. Switch itself. There but is, I bought yeah. it on the it's website. It's kind of but there is. And all, the games that I wanted to use it on are not yet out. And I didn't realize you, could pr- you couldn't pre-purchase them yet. So I just bought the voucher, and now I'm just like waiting to use it on stuff. <laughs> but I don't, have, I don't see anywhere like proof that I paid for it. If you go to your, the eShop... Yeah. And then you go to like your little bubble with your face on it for your account. It mm-hmm. should be in that main page. Actually, okay. I have my Switch with me. I don't have my Switch with me. I can't no, find I, out for you. You stupid bitch. <laughs> I'm pretty confident that's how it works. I bought mine directly on my Switch, though. So, Yeah, I was so confused. Because I got, I got the email. Because right afterwards, I got Crash Team Racing, which we'll talk about in a second. And I got the funds have been added to your wallet. Thank you for downloading Crash Team Racing. And I got those emails, but then I never got a receipt for the voucher, but I definitely got charged on my credit card. And I'm like, <gasps> did I just go into some black market Russian thing and get scammed? Well, this is the thing. is Nintendo doesn't like to offer you choice. It likes to charge you money to not be able to choose games with the voucher. Yes. That's, that's what's happening. Yeah. What, game, what games yeah. are you using your voucher on? Oh, you so already I said actually, Mario Maker and Zelda. Uh, no, I actually did Mario Maker, and then I got Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze as well, because I just oh, really yeah. wanted to play that. Um, and then uh, I'm going to get another voucher this month, and I'm going to use it for uh, Link's Awakening, and then probably Luigi's Mansion when that comes out. Gotcha. It's a great program, actually. Like, if you know you're going to be buying some upcoming Nintendo games, kind of why wouldn't you do it this way, especially if you buy games digitally? just kind of well, makes more sense, I think. It's only available until the 31st. Of what? July? Of July. Ooh. Yeah, this is... The voucher is what they're considering special offers. Do I Remember when that was that. like a, a pillar of their thing where... Nintendo yeah. online people get special offers. This is one of those special offers. I'm going to have to buy another voucher before that ends up. And yeah. Because I, I, I need another one. I need it. I'm going to use mine on Dragon Quest Eleven and Pokemon, but I might just buy another one for something Did you use else. it for Crash Team Racing? Uh, Crash Team wasn't one of the titles you could use. I was about to say, because that's a $40 game. Yeah. Speaking of Crash Team Racing, let's go to Playtime. Playtime! Um, what do you I think wanna, of Crash Team Racing? <clears throat> hold on. I want to I wanna get some other shit out of the way first so we can talk about Ugh, the But I asked you, Chad, about Crash Team Racing. How Night in the Woods. Rude. That's I put another, a political answer. I put another... I'd love to start with this. <laughs> but let's talk about something Thank else completely Thank you for your question. Instead. Here's what I want to talk about. <laughs> Night in the Woods. Daniel Regera. I put another two hours into it. Still boring as hell. Had to call it quits. Not approved. Um, next up, Harry Potter Wizards United. I put it down. Oh, you did? It has been 36 hours since I played that game, and I don't miss it. Is it is it because you just prefer Pokemon Go, or is it really because you just don't like Wizards United? It's not necessarily because I prefer Pokemon Go. It's because I was playing that at the same time, and I'm playing Pokemon Go, not playing it more now that I'm not playing Harry Potter. Um, but it just it, I didn't care about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about any of the shit that I was getting the foundables and the confoundables and yeah, that then part sounded lame yeah and then they had their first like event like their special like you have one week to catch as many of these special like purple ones and after the 50th baby unicorn that i freed from a ball and chain i was like nah mm-hmm. i don't give a shit it honestly honestly lasted a lot longer than i thought it would i thought i was literally gonna play it for a weekend and put it down but i played it for about a good what two weeks yeah, and then you put it down. And then I Either put it way, down. they lose. Then I threw it on the ground. How much My money did you spend? My dad is not a phone. Oh, I spent none money. 
So they lost. <laughs> they lost. I didn't spend any money. They lost. I did, in that two weeks, buy $10 worth of coins in Pokemon Go, though. So so Niantic still won. Niantic still won. They still won. But, uh, yeah. So that's that, I, that's done. I don't miss it. I don't think they'll ever win me back. Which is which is <laughs> something to say. You know, someone who's a Harry big Potter of a Harry fan. Potter fan. Yeah. And someone who literally plays Pokemon Go every single day for three years. You kind of are the perfect person. Like if right? you're if you're not playing it, who is? What did they have to do wrong to lose me? Yeah, I mean we talked about it last week. That's what they did wrong. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Borderlands Two. I played some more of this. We played about four hours last night. Alex and I. We are slowly going towards that platinum. I'm actually relatively close to it. I've almost done all the side quests. I've got all the challenges that I needed, except for like one weapon stuff. But Having fun. If you guys are out there and you're Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash respawnamefire, keep an eye out on Twitter and the Patreon page. Um, over the next couple of weeks, I'll be finishing that up. And we'll be playing the DLC. And then Crash Team Racing. You get it, Holden. But before we talk about Crash Team Racing, just kidding. We're going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> have you ever played a Crash Team Racing game? I have not played a Crash game. Period. Not, well, you played Uncharted 4. Um, that doesn't really count. You played the first level played, of the Crash game. Uh, oh, sure. All right, fine. If well, that's my first Crash, Uncharted I know 4, very little about the series. <laughs> outside of Uncharted 4, this is the first Crash game I've ever played. I Oh, really? I thought you had played the all three of them. Nope. Did you nope. get the Insane Trilogy? Nope. What? The character, the character itself does not interest me in the least. The world that he's in, nope, don't care. And running towards the screen... That kind of like runner? Nah, not interested. But somewhere in the last week or so, a little birdie that I don't remember told me that Crash Team Racing is similar to Diddy Kong Racing, which is a gem of a fucking game from the Nintendo 64, also (laughs) available on Nintendo DS. And I played it, and there is a lot that is similar to Diddy Kong Racing. Mostly the fact that there's an overworld and an adventure mode, which is something that I fucking loved about Diddy Kong Racing that I've always been wanting in Mario Kart. Because Mario Kart is just literally racing. Race after race after race after race. Oh, there's a battle mode, but it's really, it's racing. Right. Crash Team Racing, I think you would love. It is is different than Mario Kart. Mm -hmm. Don't go into it expecting to to be able to, to go like Mario Kart because it's hard. It is very hard. It took me... Uh, 15 maybe attempts on normal mode to win a race. Wow. Yeah. Hey, well, though, I remember when I first played Mario Kart, and that was that was pretty much my experience. Well, this game is not... It's, it's not like Mario Kart where if you're losing, you'll get a bullet bill that'll shoot you to the front. Like, the, the weapons are the weapons. And that's part of what I think you would like about it, is you and I always have this issue where we're always in the front, and all we get are bananas and green turtle shells, and it's yep. just us being way better than everyone else, and it's boring. I know those maps so well. Not to be arrogant, I'm just always ahead of the pack. And it does kind of get annoying. Yep. But Crash Team Racing, you get all the weapons no matter what. It's like truly randomized. You get more powerful versions of them as you like collect. Are there defensive weapons too, though? Or is there only attack? Okay. There are defensive weapons too. Uh, But everyone is really good. So it's really difficult too. So you're constantly like fighting. And there have been times where like I fall behind on lap one towards the end of lap one. I'm like in seventh place. I'm like. Nope, I got to start the race over because there's no way I'm going to catch up in two laps. 
<laughs> like it's it's that difficult. So it's a challenge in a See, kart that racer. That sounds really obnoxious. That's what I love about Mario Kart is, is I feel like oh, I'm in twelfth. Challenge accepted, and I'll try to do it in but like, it's, one you, lap. Exactly, you know you're going to do it though. Not always. It, it depends. Like if I'm. Oh, here's the thing: is online play is very different than playing Grand Prix or versus mode against the computer. Yeah, playing online challenge accepted. If you're in twelfth and you can make it to the front of the pack, that's unbelievably fucking hard. Yeah. But I haven't played Crash Team Racing before, so I actually really can't compare, legitimately. You can. I'll yeah. take your word for it. So I enjoy the challenge of Crash, but what I enjoy most is the adventure mode. It's Have you, have you ever played Diddy Kong or heard, know about Diddy Kong Racing? I know it exists. So the concept of it, the adventure mode, is that there's an overworld. And as you're driving along the overworld, there's like a beach setting for the first part of it. You drive two little transporter things that take you to the different uh, races. And then each race is you have to come in first in order to beat that race. And then after you beat all the races in one world, then you fight the boss of that world. So it's a kart racing boss. And each boss in this game has a different item, like one of the weapons you can pick up, that is like their thing. So the first boss is, you know, has TNT boxes. And it's just constantly, he's overpowered and that he's fast. And he's always going to be catching up. So no matter how fast you go, he's going to be there. And he's constantly throwing TNTs at you one after another after another. He's not having to wait for a box. So there's the challenge of like not only racing and knowing the course, but also how are you avoiding this new gameplay mechanic of this weapon, which is really cool. Interesting. And then not I'm only is there right racing now. and bosses, but there are also collectibles. So if you can get all three, like there's CTR, Crash Team Racing, there are CT and R hidden in different shortcuts and stuff like that in the level. And if you can find them all and get in first place by the end of the race, then you unlock different stuff too. There are all sorts of different types. Of, oh, there's like uh, speed trials where you have to collect all the different types of coins from each course. There's a lot of depth into these things, and it's really cool. So here's my question for you this is this is actually a determining factor we're gonna get this game or not mm-hmm. this is the exact game i want to play on the switch because i'd like to be able to play it on the go with me and on the tv did you get it on switch yeah sweet all right i got it on switch um, i'm gonna seriously consider playing this now the only I terrible love kart thing, racers the only terrible like mario thing kart. so far uh-oh oh you're gonna now i'm not gonna buy it anymore this terrible thing about it it has to be perfect the load times between courses are unbearable. <laughs> like as really? on, even on a switch because of the cartridge and interesting. Even on a That's switch, very interesting. Apparently, even on like PlayStation and Xbox as well. So hmm. you have the overworld. You have to load the overworld, which takes about literally forty-five seconds. Oh god! And then <laughs> as you drive onto a little thing to warp to the race, it is another. I timed it. It is forty-five to fifty-five seconds every single time. Okay, here's now, why that would annoy the crap out of me. Because if you're, oh, I'm in seventh and first lap, I'm done. Well, restart. if you lose the race, you can restart that race within like five seconds. Okay. But if you That's leave that race, because the, the character that you choose has an impact. There are like heavy, medium, and light characters as well. So if you need better handling for this track or you need more speed to overcome this boss. If I, I, there have been situations where I'm like, damn it, I, I can't beat this track. I really need to switch my character, but I'm not willing to wait the 90 seconds to go out, switch characters, and come back in. So I'll just keep failing this track over and over again. <laughs> um, You'll get good with the character. That's what's going to happen. You're really <laughs> right? good with that character. <laughs> it is unbearable. Hopefully they release so some kind of patch. Do the characters that make, make that big of a difference? Yeah, they do. Okay. They do. I was finding uh, even the, the first 
level that I tried was actually the second level because both first and second level are unlocked from the start. Um, I tried the second level first and I tried it would just crash and I could not beat it over and over and over and over and over. I just, mm-hmm. everyone was just slightly faster than me. And then I was like, all right, let me try switching characters. And I switched to a heavier character who had higher top speed and handling on that tr- track wasn't really as important. And I was finally able to, after like two or three, get out in front of everyone See, and, and beat that one. That also kind of deters me as well. One of the things I like about Mario Kart, and, and people say, yes, you can choose the right character with the right cart, with the right tires, and it'll make a difference. I use the same character, the same cart, the same tires, because that's yeah. a jam. And I've never had to change it, and I've never had a problem with, you know, staying in, in, in the lead. Yep. For the most part. Online, I'm usually in the top three, usually. Yeah. It adds a bit of strategy. I also haven't really mastered the mechanics of it yet. Like, drifting mm-hmm. in this one is a little bit more complex. Okay. You know, in Mario Kart, how you, like, hop, you drift, and then you just kind of let go and it boosts? Yeah. Well, in this one, you hop and drift, and then at the right time, your tires will glow, and you have to hit another button while you're drifting in order to boost. But if you wait past the tire glow, then you, like, you lose speed a little bit. Okay. So I haven't quite mastered that. You might be able to, with every character, be able to beat the game. But I don't know. There's just a lot more strategy and a lot more challenge to it, I think. And it's more enticing for me. But I really love the bosses and the the collectibles and unlocking all these kind of things in the overworld, too. That element sounds interesting to me, because you're right. Mario Kart has nothing like that. Grand Prix are really just collections of four maps. Right. Like, That's all these really four are. maps feel like they'd go good together. But they usually have nothing to do with each other. Right. They don't have a, a theme or anything like that. Baby Park followed by <laughs> Bowser's Castle. Oh, God. Baby Park. Um, yeah. So I'm really, Actually, really enjoying it. What am I talking about? It's a good map. I think that's going to be that's gonna be my game. You know, I've been like in a little bit of a rut where I'm like, I don't know what to play. Play a little bit. I think that's going to be the game that I'm just like. Dude, I'm telling you, you got to play Minute. You got to play Minute. That's out on iOS now. I might just get it on my phone. Get it on Switch. It's only a few Fine. bucks on Switch. And you you can literally finish it on your commute to work. Your commute to work. I am not a commute to work. I'm a you human are. being. Okay. That's enough about Crash Team Racing. I have one more thing I want to talk about. And this is revolutionary. <laughs> revolutionary. So I was walking down the street in San Francisco the other day. And from across the street, I said, what is that? I see this building. And it's just called Black Box VR Gym. And I said to my friend, what is a VR gym? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> Before you go further, if they left gym out of that, imagination's going wild. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening in there? Black Box VR Gym. And I was like, what do you think that is? I don't know. And then I literally ran into traffic across the street <laughs> to run into the building <laughs> to find out what it was. So I walked and was like, hey, what is this? And he's like, oh, man. Oh man, let me let me show you the tour. Let me, this guy was stoned out of his mind, obviously. <laughs> but so, Black Box VR is this cool new thing that I officially have a membership to, although it's free for thirty days, so I'll probably cancel it after a month. But there's so <laughs> much. I just the fact that this exists. I just want to explain all the cool things about it, and like it it can be a game changer for fitness going forward for a lot of people, which is really cool. So. You're in your own room. Every single person has their own room. There are 13 rooms at this place. And you're in there for 35 to 40 minutes. And it's a HTC Vive Pro headset on a cable pro. rig. Yeah, it's a pro. And they're actually upgrading their headsets in a couple weeks too. So I don't know what else. Maybe the new Index? I don't know. 
If you um, partners with with uh, with Valve, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But the Quest might be better for that. No wider way to working out. Well, for for what it's doing um, and the tracking that it's using, you need yeah, you need all okay. the all the processing power you can get. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a cable rig. So are you familiar? For, well, for anyone who's not, a cable rig is like there are handles on it. You can do lat pull downs. You can pull up from the floor to do like squats and stuff like that. You can do presses on it, flies. So all sorts of different workouts just on this cable rig. And there's like a little bench thing that comes out of the middle of it too. That's all there is in this room. The HTC Vive has a cable coming out up to the ceiling too, which keeps it out of your way, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But instead of having controllers, they have... Uh, you put on little sleeves on your wrists and they have red puck and a blue puck that go on those sleeves. And those are tracking your arm movements, not controllers. So your hands are actually free. So you can grab onto the, okay. to the straps and stuff like that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on to the Vive controllers and grab the weights at the same time. Don't worry. You'll be fine. <laughs> right. So the gym part of this thing, at first, my friend Kanan was like, what does a VR gym even mean? You mean like... I want the gym to just be filled with a bunch of hot chicks, or I want it to just be a bunch of fat dudes so I feel great about myself. Like, no, it doesn't actually recreate a gym in front of you. It's it's game. They've gamified fitness in a way that is incredible with machine learning and AI, and it is so brilliant. So the rig and the whole experience is designed by the people who run bodybuilding.com. So anyone who's familiar with, who's like into to fitness and weightlifting probably has heard of bodybuilding.com. And they just got bored one day and said, what do you want to do? Let's go on vacation and just dream up something new. Oh, cool. You want to do VR in a gym? That sounds fucking great. So they made a partnership and this is the kind of baby of it. So it is a kind of like a league or a Dota type game where there are three lanes in front of you. And there are, you have uh, people you can send out and you can uh, attack yourself. And you can attack people in the lanes, you can attack barriers at the end of the lanes, or you can attack the crystal that the other player in front of you has. That's just very similar to those MOBAs, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But your attacks are based on the type of workout, workout that you're doing. If you're doing a chest press, that's a fire attack. If you are doing okay. a squat, that's an air attack, or that's a water attack. If you are doing a row, that's a, a, an air attack or lightning and there's the this this uh, weaknesses thing like Pokemon where fire is good against air, air is good against ice, ice is good against fire. Um, so if your p- opponent is sending out a bunch of fire people, then you can do a deadlift, which is an area of effect ice skill to kill them faster and get uh, uh, more damage on the barriers and stuff like that. So there's a lot of really cool damage part uh, damage modifiers that you can do. How does that work, though, in terms of, like, you should be doing 10 reps of this, but now there's a... So how does that factor in? Good question. So what's brilliant about all of this is that most people, at least in my experience, my personal experience, as well as a lot of people I've talked to, the reason they don't go to the gym uh, are a few things. One, they're scared of other people watching them while they work out. Two, they don't know what the fuck to do. How heavy do I... Like, the first time I went to a bench press, I was like, how much weight do I put on this thing? Do I just do the bar? My dad, my dad, when he was a kid, when he was a teenager, the reason he's never gone back to a gym is that he just did that. He went to a bench press. He's like, oh, that guy has two plates on each side, put two plates on, lifted it off the rack, and immediately fell on his neck, and he never went back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so a lot of those That's are like, awful. how much do I lift for a squat? How much do I row for? Uh, and you don't have to worry about any of that shit. Because 
you can only you can do a maximum of 25 per set which is a lot of reps to do in a set but it's it's measuring every single time how quickly you're doing these things um how much weight it's adjusting for you and then the next set it's automatically adjusting the weight for that to make it a little bit harder for you mm-hmm. and so it's using uh so it's measuring all of this stuff and there's an app that corresponds with it so that afterwards you can see all right in this workout I worked my chest a lot more than I worked my legs, and I made some gains in my back and biceps with all of my rowing and stuff like that and my lat pulldowns. So it's measuring all of this stuff for you, and then it's also saying, hey, you're really good at chest and legs, but we need to work on your back. And so it will automatically send out, like the opposing player, it will have them send out the type of enemies so that you have to choose that workout to oh, okay. be better. So like, yeah. it's like, oh man, you need more air workouts. So we're going to send out a lot of fire enemies for you to attack. So it's it's making you work the muscles to make your whole like overall fitness better, which is yeah. really cool, without you having to think about it. All of this is going on in the background. Any more than you would be playing a game. Exactly. You're just like, yeah. oh, there's a weakness. I need to attack it. Cool. I'm going to do the right move for it. And secretly, it's going like, <laughs> this whole time, we're just going to make you fucking better in every single way. <laughs> so it's doing that for you. It's adjusting the weights. The, st- the more weight that you lift, the stronger your attacks are, too. Um, so if you get through like eight reps and that's it, you're like, oh fuck. So that's way too heavy. So it's going to back off and it's going to make it lighter next time for you. Uh, so it's really, really cool that you don't have to think about any of that shit. And it's just doing all of that for you. And every single time that you go through, there's there, the first six workouts are all like basically setting benchmarks and it's estimating your one rep maxes and things like that, just based on all of these workouts that you're doing. So that part is also really cool. You don't have to worry about what do I do, how much weight do I do, and what order do I do it. It's making all those decisions for you by giving you game mechanics, by sending right enemies at you, which is super cool. Time also fucking flies in this thing. You get a half-hour workout done, and you're like, man, but I only played three matches. I only got to fight three enemies. But it's so fucking fun. (laughs) I'm trying to see how many locations they have. I don't know. Is this it one's only, just the... This one's only been open for like three months. But here's another thing. They, they've gamified it in terms of the app and character progression and things like that too. Because you, now, you unlock stuff. The more you work out, the more you grow stronger. You earn coins to unlock things. So after I got home today, it's like, hey, from all the work that you did, you get a coin box. And that's 5,000 coins. You can use that to buy grenades for your next battle. Or you could buy another kind of troop, to the, a stronger person that you can send out on the field and order them out. Uh, or you can buy a cool new piece of chest armor to make your avatar look really, really cool. So they've gamified it in that way as well, which I think is brilliant. And so far, I don't think there are any, like, you can't buy, pay money to upgrade that stuff. It's all just from you working out, which is really awesome. Well, I didn't find information about the locations, but I did see this cool question in their FAQ. Mm-hmm. Is this for home use? Can I buy one? Not yet. We hope to have a home version ready within a few years after we perfect the hardware and bring the cost down. Interesting. This thing has to be $10,000 at least per per unit. Maybe as it is right now, but if you think about people buying gym equipment for their home, yeah, it would just be a more expensive version of gym equipment that's gamified and fun. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't have $10,000 to spend on that. But. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> But someone um, probably does. So it's fucking great. It's awesome. I tried it. They have a free demo. And then after that, you have a month of free trial. 
and then it's like 27 bucks a thing uh, uh, a session if you wanted or it's 200 bucks a month which is you know that's if you do crossfit that's a crossfit membership there as well or it's 200 a month uh, from most locations yeah wow yeah and even I in the city $10 here dollars like, at planet fitness <laughs> god when i was looking for cuz here's here's my <laughs> thing my gym gym that i'm going to most of the time is at work Mm-hmm. I work an hour away from where I live. So on the weekends or if I'm working from home, I need somewhere to go. And right now my solution has been, oh, I'm just going to lunge around. I'm going to lunge a half a mile to the grocery store. And it was fucking you murder told when I did me it. this. And I can just face myself driving down the street and just be, what the fuck is that guy doing <laughs> over there? <laughs> <laughs> but you get to work out. You'd be healthy. Yeah, that's right. Or like went on a five mile bike ride and ended up going across the Golden Great Bridge, that kind of stuff, and that's fun. But like, can't do that every single day. So this is just no, like a f- they closed the bridge ride. at least like four days out of a week. You just can't right, do exactly. it every day. Can't go over the Golden Gate Bridge at all four days a week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is this is like my interim solution. And after a month or so, if I feel like I want to continue, it's the same that I was paying for a CrossFit membership back in Chicago. So. I'm really stoked on it. I think it, it solves a lot of issues for people who are afraid to go to the gym or they get bored in the gym or they don't know what to do. And the fact that they're just like applying machine learning and AI in this way is, is fucking brilliant. Sounds pretty wonderful. I actually hope they open one up near me, but I don't know if I have $200 to spend it for a gym right right this month. Well, you can get life. 31 days free. <laughs> 31 days free, depending on the month. <laughs> well, one free demo day and then 30 days free. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying, like, don't choose February, basically. Don't choose February. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's, it's dope. It's dope. Well, hold on. What did you play? I talked for a long time. I played Mario Kart. That was the one thing I played. Uh, mm. But we kind of already talked about that, so skip over that. I picked up Luminous again for a very, very long session of Luminous because. Really? I'm On an Switch? Idiot or a Vita? On Switch, yeah. I could have done a Vita. It wouldn't have made a difference. But it would have because you would enjoy that game more. Mm, depends. What kind of songs I'm in the mood for? They have different songs. Okay. But there are some different mechanics. You are right there. So for those who don't know, I have a Pioneer like DJ mixer that I, I'm not very good at. But I'm, I just enjoy it. It's like a small little hobby. But I have these um, monitor speakers I use with it that have really, really good feedback. And I'm like, oh, shit. Why haven't I decided to do that with Luminous and just have huge speakers with pounding bass in my chest while playing Luminous. What an amazing experience. Holy <laughs> fuck. So good. I'm, but I can only really do it if I'm alone in the house because I don't want to like upset everybody else in the house. But man, as soon as people leave the house, I'm going to do it again. Yeah. I'm 2 a.m. Just crank it. Just crank it. Um, then I played uh, some 2-2 games. I played Titanfall 2 and Super Mario Maker 2. Both two games. 2-2 <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> Some two two games. Actually, I, I don't want to say too much about Titanfall two because we'll save that for our barf conversation at the end of the month. That's our barf game right now. Um, it's our barf game, and people played it with you, right? Yeah, it is so much better than I thought it was going to be. It it's just great. It and one thing I'll say about it is that it's really good for people like me who are not good at first person shooters, and I still feel like I can, I'm contributing in the game. Cool. There's I'm excited a, to join you guys on Tuesday. Yeah, I'm really curious what you think about it. I'm really liking it a lot. Um, but then we get to Super Mario Maker 2. I did a little bit of the content creation this time around. Um, mostly kind of going through the tutorial and kind of playing around with everything they taught me in the tutorial. 
what a Nintendo tutorial. Just like cheeky two characters like bickering back and forth while they explain stuff to you. It was very comical and fun. Um, but I've been playing a lot more of the story mode. And this is easily... levels? Yeah, it's the hardest Mario game I've ever played. Every single level has been very, very challenging. V-hard. Maybe I suck at Mario, which is also possible. I have found it to be very difficult. But really enjoyable as a result. I will say that it's not... One thing that's odd is that you always have five lives in a level... And then when you lose those five lives, you just can restart that level again and use the five lives again. If you, let's say you die three times, you're like, oh, I give up. I'm going to go to another level instead. You have five lives when you go to that level. So I don't really know why they even give you lives. Maybe that ties more into the online play than it does with this. I don't really get it. Why don't they just let you play it over and over and over again? Well, it probably has to do with checkpoints, right? If you get to a checkpoint, but then you die five times and you have to go back to before the checkpoint. I guess. I don't know. It's I'd rather I like the Mario Odyssey mechanic of just losing coins. And since yeah. coins play a huge role in building up your castle in story mode, that I think would have made more sense. But there um, are no but checkpoints I'm, in Mario Odyssey. That's true. Well there were, but not in the same way. You're not the same way. Keep going. No, I mean I think that if, if you are someone who likes 2D Mario games but were kind of turned off by Super Mario Maker because you don't want to create levels or be pressured into it. I really don't feel like you should be intimidated by this game. I, I say go for it. It's a really good 2D Mario game in its own right, just by being surprised by which version of Mario it's going to be and all that stuff. So I'm going to keep playing it, but it's it's fantastic. It's really, really excellent. There's so much content in that game. I'm very impressed. If you are doing the story missions, by the way, there are extra levels attached to different characters in the hub world. So if you go talk to the dog, like he'll give you some levels to do and they'll have an actual little spin on them. Like you have to collect a certain amount of coins before you can get to the other level or do this level without jumping at all. Um, there's some kind of fun things that they just couldn't really do in a more traditional Mario game. So yeah. really like it. Really, really like it. Have you played any fan made levels yet? I have not played fan made levels yet. What am I trying to do is, Trying to learn, because every level in Super Mario Maker is basically tied around a certain mechanic that they want you to learn, or a certain type of like block, or a certain type of enemy that they are putting in there, some sort of obstacle that they're trying to teach you about. And I want to do that before I start making my levels, and then I'll start playing other people's levels. Cool. That's kind of my, my path, is how I see it. But that's all that I played this week. That's it! We're jumping into Microsoft's quest log for this. And I thought this was an interesting story um, from Eurogamer um, Edwin Evans um, Thurwell. He what basically... a pretentious name. <laughs> <laughs> Edwin Evans hyphen Thurwell. <laughs> I'm going to go sit yeah, on, okay. on, what's the pond? On Walden Pond. I'm going to consider idea. my life. You don't know about Walden Pond? What was that? Henry David Thoreau? I have no idea. Okay, go read Animal House. <laughs> Animal Farm. <laughs> Animal <Whatever. House. laughs> same difference, though. They're basically the same, same thing. thing. They're both the Charlotte's Web story. <laughs> <laughs> so a bunch of developers were asked about their thoughts on Xbox Game Pass and if they think it's good for developers or not. I kind of found that most of the opinions came down to two developers, basically stating, stating everything that everyone else was saying. Um First one was Play Dead Games. These guys make Inside and Limbo. And they believe that 
Game Pass is very fair to developers. And they feel like it doesn't feel as if their games are being given away for free because Microsoft just gives them a lump sum to have their game put on Xbox Game Pass. They feel like they get a, you know, a financial benefit from from being on Game Pass, which is good to hear. That's nice that kind of small developers are, are seeing that. Um, but on the contrast to that, you have Paradox Interactive, who's the creator of City Skylines, Crusader Kings, and Surviving Mars. And they made that comparison to like Netflix and Spotify, where Spotify pays you based on the number of plays. Netflix gives you lump sum, which is, again, how uh, Game Pass does it. And they find that their games tend to work better in that Spotify model. They don't feel like they're being gypped at all by being on Game Pass, but City Skylines is a game you might play for hundreds or maybe literally over a thousand hours. Can I but they still real quick? Yeah. Gypped is an offensive word. Is it? Yeah. Gypped? It's like, yeah, it's against gypsies. Like, oh, I didn't, they just I didn't go around and steal things. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. They Sorry. felt like they were not treated fairly with the time there we uh, go. playing the game versus the lump sum. I did not know. Thank you for pointing that out for me. You're um, welcome. I appreciate it. So yeah, so it that makes sense. We're like they say, hey, we don't, we're not displeased with the service, but we know we would benefit from a different model. And like on live, as they pointed out, had that model of time spent playing equals the amount of money the developer gets. And I think it's kind of an interesting discussion of different games at different needs more than like music or movies have different needs. Yeah, like games will have. There's going to be something to a game that's different from any other game, whereas movies, it's always like a you know roughly two-hour experience. Music right. is roughly like in that same kind of few minutes, or if you're listening to different types of music, like maybe even up to like a half hour if it's classical or something like that. But like generally, it's the same principle. Yeah. Before this article, I, I didn't know that that's how they were being paid. It's just lump sums instead of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how long people... Because I think Stadia... No, it wasn't Stadia. It was... Um, there's an indie game service... Oh, it's we like, talked about this. It's right. It's like a Netflix for indie games, but mm-hmm. they're paying people based on hours played of each game. And yeah. I feel like you're right. You know, for Spotify, that makes sense because if I play a Katy Perry song versus if I play a Metallica song, they're going to be well. Metallica is a little longer, probably, but they're going to be mm-hmm. roughly the same length. So price per play is or per per time played that makes sense. But for a game, you know, if you're playing minute versus if you're playing Final Fantasy fourteen for three hundred thousand years. Like those shouldn't be judged. They sh- the the cost shouldn't be the same for both. Yeah. The obstacle though is that again, like Game Pass, they only do lump sum. So like, if if they're gonna put multiplayer games on there, that they might feel like they're not getting as much satisfaction out of that. So I mean, is this gonna create some sort of divide? Where like, hey, this is I'm not talking about Microsoft at this point. Just talking about different streaming services like one mm-hmm. service might sprout up because they're going to focus on multiplayer games and kind of those longer form games like a city skyline or like a starcraft like a strategy game like that where now they're competing with each other for the time spent because you wouldn't want to put say the game minute i just described in that bin because it only takes you an hour to beat that game it's going to lose out no matter what so you might have other streaming services that kind of fill that need of these kind of single player experiences as well so maybe you have like kind of like single player multiplayer type services like Game Pass. I don't know. I think it's it's an interesting conversation. It's going to have to be figured out. Yeah, that's a new pricing structure. I think that games really haven't haven't delved into because even if the, it wasn't on Game Pass, but it's a longer game that people play forever because there's multiplayer, mm-hmm. you still don't pay per hour when you buy it off the shelf. You pay yeah. sixty bucks. You pay forty bucks. Whatever it is, and yeah. the only kind of differing pricing structure that we see is subscription. 
like with World mm-hmm. of Warcraft. You can play that game forever, but you still pay a set money, 15 bucks a month or whatever a subscription costs. There's, yeah. n- I can't think of anything where you play per hour to play it other than like Not carnival games. per hour, but you'll have like games as services where, hey, we're offering you new content or here's some microtransactions. Like how does that stuff fit into... I guess if it's yeah. like a Game Pass, it, let's say it's Destiny's not on Game Pass, but let's just say it's Destiny. Yeah, um, you buy one of their loot boxes or something like that. Could you do that within Game Pass? How would that work? I think it's just you the can. game you download. So you just do it. I'd imagine. Yeah, I don't know. For there, sure. like State of Decay two. I think they announced this is different because it's a Microsoft title, but it's similar. Where State of Decay two, they announced the new expansion. They're like, if you have Game Pass, you also get the expansion for free. Hmm. Where so like it sounds like there's yeah. at least the option. Maybe it's not the default, but there's the option to just have all of that included with Game Pass as well. Yeah, but obviously kinda... you're not going to get every microtransaction for free. No, no that'd be hysterical. Yeah. Everyone would just pay ten dollars for Game Pass, and that'd be the end of it. Or fifteen bucks. <laughs> Unlimited for that loot boxes. One. You just keep opening them continuously. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise mechanics. Surprise mechanics, right? Yeah, a loot box is an offensive term, Chad. <laughs> I didn't know. Thank it, you. Yeah, it's it's surprise mechanics. <laughs> um, and then next up, this isn't really a Microsoft story, but it's kind of mildly related. Remedy gains um, Alan Wake IP back from Microsoft. Potential true sequel could finally happen. Have you played Alan Wake, Chad? I have not. This was a 360 game. I only had a 360 for a short time while Tom had two of them. And then he moved out with from Chris and I had to give it back. Oh. Uh, and that was not one of the games that I played. I do... Here's the thing. I I like Remedy for some reason having never played any of their games. Like, there's a... <laughs> there's I played a, Max Payne. That's all I've played. I, I did not... Well, you know what? I did play Max Payne when it came to iOS for about 20 I, that's minutes. That's exactly how I played it. I, yep. I finished the game. I really liked it. You did. Yeah. I So Remedy, I think I just enjoy their spirit and what they do and the fact that they're willing to try new things. Mm-hmm. Um, control looks intriguing. Control looks super intriguing. It's not Quantum of Solace, but what's the other game that they did? Oh, Quantum Break. Quantum, Quantum Break. Quantum of Solace. <laughs> Quantum Break was a really cool thing. I watched, uh, I watched Tom play it for about two hours. And then I'd never played Alan Wake, but I'm I'm still a Remedy fan, cheering from the sidelines. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I would like Alan Wake or not. If it comes to Game Pass, maybe I'll give it a shot. Just kidding. I've had Game Pass for two months and with the intent to play a bunch of games, and I haven't even opened my Xbox aside from playing Toy Story on it, the movie. <laughs> Toy Story, the game. I went back to Xbox to play. I. A okay. Toy Story one game from the nineties. Toy before Story Xbox one on N- on sense. SNES. Was the fucking jam. Was it, though? That game was hard. There was an RC level where you had to control RC and, like, go through this maze of toys and also pick up batteries along the way. And then there was this one... So, Woody, you also had his pull string. You had to use his lasso and, like, grab on the hooks across the level. It was a tough game, but it was also super fun. For some reason, I think I have memories of that, but I never had an SNES, so I don't know what's up. Maybe it was on other things, too. One of the first things you really had was a GameCube, right? Or no, you had an N64 for Zelda. I had an N64, but I never finished Zelda on it. I didn't really play much on that. GameCube was the first console I had that I actually put time into games with. Gotcha. Yeah. And Game Boy. You had a Game Boy. Yeah. That was one of the best days ever. My dad and I went to Best Buy. He got the turquoise Game Boy color. I got the purple Game Boy color. And then he got Zelda Ages and I got Zelda Seasons. It was a great day. That sounds like a great day. I don't know why, but this reminded me (laughs) of Game Boy's... On road trips, 
were the fucking best. And we except all except at nighttime. Except at nighttime, but then we all had our own little snake lights and magnifiers and things like that to go with them. But we all each of us four kids had our own cases that carried all of our games and our Game Boys and batteries and things like that in it. And it reminded me of our family friend Reed was on a road trip with us once. And we were all <laughs> We were all playing our Game Boys. And he got tired and put his away. And I got sick and I threw up in his Game Boy bag. <laughs> <laughs> Like, ruined all of his stuff. Oh, that's bad. Oh, gross. Yep. I broke my Game Boy, and then my dad just like, just take mine. <laughs> just have it. See, I never got the accessories, though. Like, my, my parents wouldn't let me get the accessories of the light. So when I was on road trips at night, I was literally holding it up to street lights as you were passing them so I could, like, see. Oh, but it was, like, man. Pokemon, so it wasn't, like, really going to miss out on anything. Yeah. I could just, I could wait a second, but I couldn't do, like, Zelda that night. It was tough. I remember I have probably to... the most egregious accessory guy that i got was the stereo speakers for it <laughs> because the most unnecessary expensive accessory well, that's hilarious i got i got gauntlet 2 off of ebay it was like a really rare game boy game and gauntlet 2 was one of this literally one of my first memories ever is my my mom my brother my dad and i playing gauntlet 2 on the nes and i was like oh my god it came out on a game boy and i got it and all of the the sound bites like red warrior needs food badly or Blue Valkyrie shot of food, that kind of shit. All on the Game Boy speaker sound like I was like, Mom, I can't understand what they're saying. I need better speakers. There's this accessory that puts stereo speakers on your Game Boy and it was huge. I bet it made no difference at all. It did. I could understand. Oh, it did really. Wow. Yeah. I'm I'm impressed. Yeah. That was probably the most gaudy one. All right. Let's move on. (laughs) Fetch a little little nice segment there. Yeah. So, fetch quests, uh, we have three. Not a very short uh, fetch quest. Headline here. So, apparently, Wind Waker's Outset Island is in Zelda Breath of the Wild. That's from Chris Carter to Structoid. Um, I saw the video. I totally disagree. I don't see it at all. I think it's a stretch. I think it's a huge stretch. Really? Yeah. I saw it, and I was like, I've never played Wind Waker, and I didn't get to that place in Breath of the Wild, but that looks the same to me. There are some houses that are in the same location. It's like, look, we're going to walk up, and then they show in Wind Waker, he's walking on a deck. Or a dock, sorry, not a deck, a dock, and then climb up a ladder, and then in Breath of the Wild, he's walking up a hill. I'm like, no, it's not the same thing. It's not a recreation of it. It's just kind of a coincidence. Oh, it's much more than a coincidence. I don't know. I didn't see I it. Think it's I like, didn't see it. I think it's like the reimagining of that town in the Breath of the Wild world. It's definitely not yeah. one for one, but it is absolutely intended to be that town. Until Nintendo comes out and says, yeah, you found the oh Easter my, egg, I don't believe it. How did you not think that was, it's 100% that town. It's not 100% of the town. For one, there's a little, um, there's a divide of the water in the middle of the town. It's a big part of Outside Island is that divide. And it's not in here at all. Like, that's a. Then what a you're saying feature. instead, then, is that, that Zelda creators are just so unoriginal that all their towns look exactly the same and they're boring. No, but I think it's a stretch to say it's a recreation of it. It's similar, but I wouldn't say it's like it's Outside Island is in the game. It's not. I would it's say a stretch. So. It's a stretch. I would it's say so. Similar. It's not the same thing. Epic Games Store now offering Overcooked for free. Free Patrick at Game Ranks. If you haven't played Overcooked, you must play Overcooked. Now it's on Epic Games for free. You just you have to do it. It's yeah, such you a have great to. Game. And if you law. like it, buy the new version because uh, the second version is actually a, a good update. And the last one is Cuphead: The Delicious Last Course, bumped back to 2020 alongside a new trailer. So the new trailer yes um it was uh, we uh, com- uh, say the blah, fucking blah, blah. words chad 
Um, <laughs> commendable for uh, MDR. MDR? MHDR? MDHR. That's what it is. MDHR. Um, commendable for them for pushing it back. They said that they're delaying it to 2020 in an effort to not have to crunch on the game. Mm-hmm. Way to go. A, yep. Celebrate when people do things right, people. <laughs> Moving into our third-party quest log, which is really just cyberpunk. It's just a lot of cyberpunk. Cyberpunk! Some so good, we're gonna some go bad, some lies, some updates. Story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not, just some mistranslations. <laughs> we're going to go with the mistranslated version first, and then we're going to correct it. So <laughs> CD Projekt Red confirms that three Cyberpunk 2077 projects are currently in the works. According to Adam um, Kaczynski at CD Projekt Red, he's the CEO there, uh, one project is the Cyberpunk 2077, blah, 2077 game that we all know. One is another multiplayer game. And the third is a mystery, apparently, that will take place in the Cyberpunk world. The update um, is a re-clarification um, from the PR department <laughs> at Cyberpunk, <laughs> at, at uh, CD Projekt Red, saying, We currently have a total of five teams working on a number of projects, with three focusing on the development of Cyberpunk 2077. These include CD Projekt Red, Warshaw, and Krakow, who are handling the main game as well as the um, Warclaw studio, there are around 40 industry specialists are engaged in technology R&D. So I found some context here. So one is that there was a comment from CD Projekt Red about having expansions just like The Witcher 3. And the comment here is this. We want to make sure everything's complete, but we also want to build open worlds. I know when I was playing with The Witcher 3 and I finished everything, I still want to know what everyone was up to. I think we're going to have opportunities like that as well for Cyberpunk 2077. Another statement from Cyberpunk about multi... Blah, I keep saying from Cyberpunk. From CD Projekt on multiplayer in Cyberpunk. We're not really working in multiplayer. Our sole focus is single player. We'll do that when we'll see. Um, then we'll see. We're not saying no to multiplayer, but we're not saying yes. If something does happen, it will definitely be post-launch, and that's as much as I can say right now. Both of these statements, in conjunction with that thing about the three projects, makes me feel like they have a team working on expansions, they have a team working on multiplayer, they just don't want to talk about it right now, and it kind of mildly slipped. Here's what I think it actually is. Yeah. There are three Project Red, or three Cyberpunk 2077 things. You're right. They have the main game, the team working on Cyberpunk. And yeah. then you're right. They have whatever blood and wine is going to be. Yep. That's another team working on that first chunk of DLC. And then that 40 people working on R&D and new technology, they're like, I don't know. You want to see what multiplayer might look like in this universe? Great. Mm-hmm. You want to see yeah. what loot boxes might work? They're just trying all sorts of shit yeah. in this game. Doesn't and it mean any of it's actually going it to happen. Not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's what I think that is happening. And then they have two other games that people are working on right now, too, that are unrelated. One was Gwent. Yeah, the other one was a mobile game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, first of all, or sorry, lastly, um, fucking change the name of your studios. You can't have Warsaw and Warclaw. It's too confusing. <laughs> I think those are towns or cities. In... I'm sure they are, but they should change the name of the cities or move one. A city Project Red should change the name of the cities. Google yes. could do it. Why can't... Right? If Google that? can catch Pokemon on the map in 2014... No, Google it. made uh, Kansas City change their name to Google for like a day or something like that in order to get fiber in the city. See? Google yeah, can they... do it. Google can do it. Google can decide that you don't and they're live not even where you that big of a company. Anymore. Google's pretty small. It's like a little independent organization. Right. They would be called pretty an small. indie developer. An indie developer. 
Um, so yeah, I I think that there's definitely more to this than what they're stating, but I don't blame them. They want the focus to be on Cyberpunk 2077. There's also that game. I forgot to add this in the context. There's also they said that in um uh, an earning statements or investor call or something like that that they have two AAA games. One's come both coming out before 2021. Mm. What does that mean? In mm. in relation to the story, I don't know, but I think it's worth pointing out. Oh. Oh, oh, AAA mobile game? AAA mobile game. Witcher on Android Pie? <laughs> Only Android Pie. Only Android Five Pie. Five people will be able to play it. What's the Q Yeah, one? I think it's interesting. What? What's the Q dessert? Quiche? Uh, they, they haven't done... They just have it called Android Q. It's a beta. They haven't given it a name yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, they'll give it a name probably in the summer. What could they name it? I don't know. I think it's like quiche or quinoa, but none of those are those aren't desserts. Are desserts. Yeah, cherry pie, <laughs> cherry pie. Yeah, I have no idea. I just want pie. But now. we're not a Google podcast. Actually, we do talk about Google sometimes. We do talk about but, Google, but we're going to talk about Sony now. Sony, Sony. So Dreams Dev praises the game community's early access, um, going as good as we could ever hope for. This is from Mark Healy, the co-founder and creative director at Media Molecule, who's talking with MZVUK. I've never heard of them before. It's McVuck. <laughs> <laughs> About Dream's progress and early access. The quote is, it's going as good as we could ever hope for. We want to do a bit of a slow build-up so that we can iron out any ob- obvious problems before we put it in front of too many people's faces, really. And the quality of the community is amazing. Which was something we'd really hoped for and something that we put particular effort into, targeting certain people that we knew would be right for dreams. Primarily a lot of little big planet creators, for example, but not just that. My experience is that it's a very good natured, lots of help from um, people who are willing to help each other out and collaborate. So I think there's a nice, happy feeling in the community we've got so far. Not a lot of like facts to point to in that and be like, yeah, tangibly, this is why we're doing so well. But it's nice to, to hear that they feel good about the progress. Yeah. Because I think that's a game we were both kind of skeptical on. It's, it good, to, so it's good to hear something good from Media Molecule. Yeah. They haven't released a game since Little Big Planet 3 a thousand years ago. A thousand and years ago. And this has been delayed year after year after year. And then from, I mean, I don't hear much about Dreams, but everything that I hear seems to be positive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's really great that it's going the way they want. Mm-hmm. Still no release date for the full game yet. So yeah, Lord knows when you can play what other people have made. But mm-hmm. and then Sony, this this happened right after we ended recording. Yeah, last week. Uh, so be, correction for last week. Pez 2019 is not available for PS Plus. It's being replaced by Detroit Become Human. I've never seen this before. Yeah, ever. me neither. And, and there's no official statement from Sony saying why it happened. The only statement was just that it happened. Right. And in fact, if you reached out to Konami and said, hey, why did that? Why did this happen? Why did you guys decide to pull it? Konami's official statement was, this was Sony's decision, not ours. You'll have to reach out to them. That's weird. Yeah. Very um, strange. It's worth noting, Detroit become, it's the Detroit Become Human Deluxe Edition, which includes Heavy Rain. So if you don't own Heavy Rain yet, you also have that. I'm happy with this decision, though. I'd much rather play Detroit Become Human. Yeah. I'm unhappy about it because I already have Detroit Become Human, and I played it when it mattered, and everybody else can fucking suck it, and I wanted a soccer game, not... You wanted a soccer game that you would have never played, mm-hmm. except when Alex Seeler came over. That's it. That's right. 
Sony is considering developer acquisitions for PlayStation Worldwide Studios. Speaking with newspaper Neon Kazai Shimbun, a local newspaper run in Big Spring, Texas. Just kidding, it's in Japan. I hate <laughs> that you wrote in your own jokes in the notes. <laughs> I thought of that as I was writing it out. Where I'm like, this could only... Well, the article specified a Japanese newspaper. I'm like, well, obviously it's not in like Texas or Kansas or something. <laughs> Uh, Jim Ryan of Sony discussed plans to buy new studios leading up for the next generation. Sony seems to want newer studios since PlayStation already has top-tier developers on their teams. So my question to you, Chad, is what kind of studio such games would benefit them the most? Oh, man. There is... It has it's big names. It's got to be big names, and they've got to be making big games because that's what differentiates Mm -hmm. them. I don't think they're going after... No offense to Ninja Theory... But I don't think they're going after people who make like double A or single A or indie games. No. Um, that seems like Microsoft is getting a lot of those types of games to just build mm-hmm. up the quantity of their games. And they have a lot of really high quality developers that came along with that. But I yeah. think if Sony's going after they are they're known this generation for making blockbuster after blockbuster really high quality games. I don't know who that would be if they were to 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 gobble up a third party other than Maybe CD Projekt Red, maybe. What if That'd they were to huge. fucking take CD Projekt Red? I, I feel they kind of be like taking like a rock star, though. Where like they do so well on their own that they're not oh, going to want to yeah, be bought out. There's Exactly, yeah. There's no way that that's going to happen. Yeah. But I think the key word there is newer studios. Like Maybe there's are studios that we haven't heard of yet. We just don't know about because they haven't released something. I don't know if that's kind of what I gather from it. I, I gather that it's like... It's a technology startup, and then they get mm-hmm. gobbled up by Google or Apple because they make one thing really, really well. So maybe they've like released yeah. a game that did really well, and they're like, cool, we like the technology, mm-hmm. and we like the work that you put into that. You're part of us now. They should buy Naughty Dog. I think it'd be they a really good They should buy Naughty Dog. What if fucking Sony owned Naughty Dog? <laughs> Just kidding. They already do, and they're amazing. I think they need to focus on multiplayer games because I feel like Google has made a point about saying Stadia is going to have, um, I mean, they've talked about games that play well, but also are fun to watch. But they've also talked about the need for multiplayer games. Microsoft's talked about the desire to have exclusive multiplayer games. I think they should consider some of that because right now all of their studios, every single one of them for the most part, I mean, except like Killzone, which has online multiplayer, which is even that's kind of a stretch calling that multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. They're single player games. They're all single player games. Um, so I think multiplayer might be a good direction for them. But then I think about multiplayer games in a cross-play future. And would they really want to have multiplayer games that are exclusive to just their console? Doesn't that kind of hurt? I mean, the conversation has been multiplayer games are better when they're across multiple consoles because then you have a larger pool of players to matchmake with. Right. How does that factor in? I can see them saying, hey, we have this great multiplayer game and it's only available on PlayStation. I can see them doing that. But is that is that the right call? I don't know. I'm actually very curious what take they decide to go. Or with, what approach they decide to go with. Yeah. With everything we know about Sony and the next generation so far, I don't know if that's something... I feel like that would be not a step backwards, but it wouldn't be moving forward at the rate that Stadia and Xbox are. Because mm-hmm. with cross-play and cross-progression becoming like, it is going to be a thing in Call of Duty now. And with Stadia and even Project xCloud, you can pick up any device in front of you and start playing your stuff. Whereas PlayStation... It's a multiplayer game that you can only play on your PlayStation 4. You can remote play from your Mac or your phone, but it's you still have to have a PlayStation. With Xbox, it sounds like you don't even need to have an Xbox in order to do all of this stuff. You can play um, on a, on a, you can play it just on like your watch. 
anything. You can play it on your Android. What is the Android watch? Android Wear watch. OS. Wear, Wear OS. Wear OS. That it's one. It's not even Android OS. You can play it on your Facebook camera spy home thing. You could. You can play it on a Nest Cam. Just look at the cam and imagine what the cameras. You can do that. You, you got the idea. It, it could work. Yeah, it could so work. I don't think. I don't. I don't think that Sony would do well with a multiplayer game with what we know about them so far. If their strategy changes with next gen and they have a way that you could be like. I'm going to pick up any device I have and play with my friends you know, a- anywhere, whether I have a PlayStation 5 or not. Great. But with Stadia, be, be like, play on anything. Or with Microsoft, be like, play on anything, don't own an Xbox. I don't know if, if that's what players are going to expect for multiplayer, big multiplayer games yeah. in the near future. Yeah, I'm very, very curious. I mean, ultimately, they can take their time with these purchases. They don't have to rush because they already have very high caliber developers working for yep. them. So. But I'm curious to see. I mean, I think in the next few years, we'll see something. Yeah. So, moving on to the main quest, Chad. Main quest! I'm actually, when I saw this on here, I was like, oh, interesting that you say that because it also mirrors a, um, not a subscriber interrogative. What are just regular things? A reader question, a listener question that I sent in the Kind of Funny Games cast this week. Oh. Um, so, I was like, oh, cool. cool. Yeah, so uh, we're talking about the future of Nintendo, kind of. Not like next-generation consoles or anything, but I'm talking about some statements they made this week about cloud gaming and 5G, about the next-generation controllers, which I thought that was interesting, and Nintendo kind of going up against the next-gen players and what that's going to look like next-gen for them. So starting off with cloud gaming and 5G, uh, Nintendo president, we do not expect all games to become cloud games anytime soon. This is from Eric Van Allen from US Gamer, speaking of pretentious names. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, President Shotaro uh, Furukawa speaks uh, to the need to keep up with cloud streaming technologies while understanding that not all games will go this way. Miyamoto chimed in and said that local games will continue to be fun. And in terms of 5G, cost is very high, and Nintendo doesn't chase trends in technology. What are your thoughts on that, Chad? Um, that is them saying, shareholders, don't worry, we're not counting it out, but we're also not <laughs> investing in it. And yep. we're going to continue staying still until we absolutely have to move. Yeah, I, it's kind of the vibe that I got as well, because I feel like they're trying to prevent a stupid headline that people will look back in 15 years and say, remember when Nintendo said online gaming wasn't going to be a thing? Yep. <laughs> I think they're really trying to uh, avoid that. Um, remember when Nintendo no said they're not going to do VR ever on Switch, and now there's Nintendo Labo <laughs> VR with a lot of their games? <laughs> yeah, so... And, Thinking in like the far future, if streaming becomes a thing and they're still doing just handheld devices or something like that, and you play the Nintendo games that way, eventually it's going to get to a point where no one's going to want to spend $150 to play Nintendo games because they don't have to spend any money to play any other games. They just right. buy the game. So eventually they're going to have to adopt to this and they can't just sell hardware anymore. So I think that's, that's interesting. And that kind of brings us to like the next part, which is controllers. If they're not selling you the console... There's going to be a battle for the controllers that are sold, which is the best controller to use for these streaming services, yada, yada, yada. This is a little bit different than that, though. Um, so this is Nintendo intends to create the next generation of controllers, Anthony Dickinson, Nintendo Life. This is an interesting quote. 
I also believe that we should quickly graduate from the current controller, and we are attempting all kinds of things. Our objective is to achieve an interface that surpasses the current controller, where that player goes is directly reflected on screen, and the user can clearly feel the result. This has not been achieved yet. We have tried all kinds of motion controllers, but none seem to work for all people. As the company that knows the most about controllers, we have been striving to create a controller that can be used with ease, and that will become the standard for the next generation. I, he's not referring to PS5 and Xbox 2 when he says next right. generation. <clears throat> that was really interesting to me. Because I think we've kind of asked ourselves, what's after Switch? And I think everyone's kind of been like, well, Switch 2 is fine. I'm happy with the Switch right. 2. Just give me and a just 4K they, Switch. That's great. Yeah, exactly. I'm okay with that. I, honestly, I'd still prefer that. This is kind of saying, no, we're still doing weird things. And we can't wait to show you weird things still. I can't. The article kind of suggested it could be like a cross between like a Nintendo Wii remote and Kinect all in one, or maybe no controller. Maybe it's black box VR gym. Who knows? <laughs> Whatever it is that they're working on, it is. It's they are. I'm sure constantly trying new things. Lots yeah. of R and D spent on controllers because if you think about it, every single advancement in controller technology, pretty much has been Nintendo. From shoulder buttons to the D-pad to rumble mm-hmm. to analog sticks to mm-hmm. the Z-trigger to everything. Motion control. Motion controls, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's all started with Nintendo. Even touchscreens. I mean, Nintendo DS was doing touchscreens really yeah. before modern smartphones figured that out and made that something palatable people want to use. Yeah. So I absolutely believe they're working on it and whatever they come out with next, however weird or crazy, is going to make an impact on the way that we play games. Yeah. Um, Don't underestimate Nintendo. They really do know what they're doing when it comes to this kind of stuff. No matter how... It could be really weird. It could be Vitality Sensor weird. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, you're right. They they have been at the forefront of how people interact with games throughout their history. That is kind of what they specialize in, if anything. Yep. Like when they created Mario game, they're constantly thinking about, well, how can we add in new control mechanisms to make this more enjoyable for people? Like what can we add to this experience? So I'm very excited about this. There's not really a lot to talk about because it's so vague and they're never going to give us a tease as to what they're working on because right. it's R&D. <laughs> they don't really even know what they're working on in some ways. <laughs> but yeah, that's very exciting. The next one, though, is much more tangible to discuss. And this is that Nintendo is focusing on Switch install base to combat next-gen performance gap. We have two quotes for you here. Um, all, these are the, all these quotes that were coming from a Nintendo investor um, q and I don't think I mentioned that at the beginning. Um, okay, so we consider our hardware install base to be a particularly important factor for publishers who are deciding whether to release software on our platforms. Therefore, we believe that our primary focus is to increase the hardware install base, generate momentum, and create an environment where publishers can supply their titles with confidence. We currently offer a user-friendly development environment meant to lower the... Oh, this is the second quote now. We currently um, offer a user-friendly development environment meant to lower the barriers to develop to developing games for our platforms, with support for a number of versatile game engines that are already familiar to developers these game engines are being actively used not only by indie game developers but also by development teams at large to mid-sized software publishers so you can expect an, uh, expect announcements for a variety of quality games moving forward quality titles moving forward um this is reminds me a lot of the wii yeah we they were very far behind technologically and in terms of horsepower but because they had that crazy install base they kept getting third-party games. Maybe not always the best quality third-party games, but they still got a lot of third-party games. And I think that quality was because motion controls and developers not knowing how to use motion controls, whereas Switch doesn't really have that problem. 
Yeah. But this I is, think... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, this is the, the crux of the question I sent. It didn't get read on the show, but uh, I sent it in and said, with next-gen coming and Switch already trying to play catch-up with current-gen stuff, like they're just releasing Witcher 3, albeit very scaled back. Mm-hmm. Bethesda's yeah. releasing all of their stuff on it. Some of it runs really well. Some of it doesn't. Uh, so some of it, so with limited success running current gen stuff, when next gen comes out, is Switch going to fall behind again? Is it going to be another Wii mm-hmm. or Wii U scenario where developers aren't going to want to perform for or go back and make stuff work on such an underpowered machine? Yeah, because right now it's able to get away with it, but it's because it's mid cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pushing that install base. It, I guess what it really comes to. Is it talks about you know the development tools, the engines, um, whether or not with next gen it is just a, a slider on a scale going from worse graphics to best graphics, and worse can be Switch, mm-hmm. best can be Xbox Scarlet, whatever you end up uh, making. Um, anecdotally, I don't know if it's gotten better with updates, but anecdotally, Unity, which is far and away the largest game engine, um, is like horrible to work with on Switch. And there, I think maybe it was Bethesda. Some big company was like, "We'd love to release our game sooner, or we'd love for it not to be as buggy or shitty as it is." But Unity is literally broken for us, and we can't make it work. Um, that's where I think they're gonna, if they are going to succeed. I'm learning in that. Unity. That's concerning for me. <laughs> yeah, well, Unity is essential for like ninety percent of all gaming. So yeah, I'd like to make a game on Switch. That'd be kind of fun to do one day. I'm sure it'd be fixed. Hopefully, by the yeah. time I'm good enough to do that. But and this was uh, granted like six fixed. to eight months ago. I think I remember reading this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure they've been working with Unity to make it better, but um, that's they where also I think added they Unity after the fact, didn't they? Right, it wasn't there from launch, and and yeah. whenever they did eventually launch Unity, it was still a very very limited version of it. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think they need to make the most amount of work in order to set themselves up for success, and when next gen comes from yeah. everyone else, otherwise, yes, they are going to fall behind, and no one's going to want to make death stranding or cyberpunk or whatever it is a really shitty version of it to run on switch when it can be so much more everywhere else yeah i think so you mentioned the whole you mentioned the whole idea of the slider switch being the worst Mm -hmm. scarlet being you know the highest theoretically uh the tricky thing with that is of course we don't really know what next gen's gonna mean we know some of the specs and all that kind of stuff but i remember like a quote from phil spencer saying it's not so much about how the games look it's about what they're doing behind the scenes when i hear that i kind of think of AI and right. uh, NPC AI and having so many more variables that are being played with. So it'll look better than last generation, but it's really about all the stuff they can do behind the scenes to make the worlds feel more real and more tangible. And that's the stuff that you can't put a slider on. What are you going right. to do? Cut out half the NPC characters in, in a level? Like game like Hitman, for example, that has encouraging 300 different like NPC characters, their own unique little storyline in that environment playing. Imagine the next generation version of that. How's that going to scale down to a switch? I mean, not that Hitman's on switch, but that would be extremely difficult to do. And I think you're going to run more into games where you have call of duty. That's made for three sixty and PS three. And then this like really shitty call of duty that's made for the Wii. It's going to be things like that. Cause I, I don't think that developers can ignore the switch, right? It has a big enough install base, but I still think that it's going to be the home of the indie game. Will this kind of make it go the way of the Vita? where like, Hey, third-party developers aren't supporting it as much, but the indie still are. Yeah, and so, I think that Nintendo can still make a name with that because they still have high-quality first-party titles, which is what the Vita didn't have. What I think the the difference that we're going to see with Switch that we didn't see with Wii U and Wii is that the Switch already has 
a hardcore install base mm-hmm. of people who really love the system. They support developers on it. It is, for so many titles, the best-selling version is on Switch. So yeah. I don't think we're going to see... We won't... I don't think we're going to see AAA first-party title or third-party titles on Switch once next-gen comes around. I don't think we're going to see Destiny 3. We don't even see Destiny 2, blah, blah, blah. But... I think there'll be a, there'll be a period where there's still some and then like a year or so after next gen it's, right. it starts to fizzle off yeah but i do think that they will garner enough support for switch exclusive titles from these third parties in a way that mm-hmm. we and wii u didn't um because uh, or they did but they just weren't as, they were side hustles they weren't that company's mm-hmm. main focus um yeah. but knowing that there's such an install base out there who buys games who really demands quality and that developers seem to be responding well to on switch i think that they're going to put a lot more quality time and focus into what they end up releasing in the future and i think it is going to be switch exclusive stuff because mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to make that or it'll be released on switch and then like an up version yeah uh, for the other ones but mm-hmm. i think that's where it's going to succeed where the others failed yeah, I'm really not worried about Switch in the next gen. I think earlier in the Switch life cycle, I was a little bit more worried when we didn't really quite know when next gen was going to be happening. Is it going to be anytime soon? And now that we kind of know, hey, it's next year, Switch is in a good place, it's going to be fine. Yeah, I really don't think that. I mean, at this point, by the time that the next gen consoles come out, the Switch would have already, I'm just predicting this, but I don't think I'm wrong, it would have already outsold the Xbox One. And if Xbox One's been doing fine this whole time, Switch will do fine this whole time. Yeah. Not exactly apples to apples comparison, but close enough. You know what's kind of a telltale sign? Sorry, going back to what I was saying earlier. You know what's kind of a telltale sign? When they unveiled the Wii U, they said, we have all sorts of great AAA third-party games, like <laughs> Mass Effect 3 from two years ago, and Bar- and Batman Arkham... Uh, City. Si- not, no, it wasn't City. It was... Um, it was City. Was it no, City? it was Night. No, it was City. It was City, yeah. It was City, yeah. Batman yeah. Arkham City from a few years ago. Like, they're not playing catch-up in that form. We're already seeing Doom Eternal's going to launch day and date on both. Yeah. We saw, what launched in April? on Oh, Mortal Kombat, for better or for yep. worse, launched day and date on Switch. So that, like, these next-gen games, they are launching, and they're, they're getting support right now. And I think that's a huge telltale sign for... No pun intended mm-hmm. for telltale failing, but <laughs> it's a, a telltale sign for them <laughs> be some succeeding in the future. Yeah. One thing to keep in mind, though, Switch, when it's docked, has one teraflop of performance. So it's it's pretty close to the 1.3, 1.4 teraflops of a standard PS4 and standard Xbox One. But if, again, like Digital Foundry is talking about how it might be 24 teraflops, maybe, for Xbox Scarlet, that's a huge, gigantic jump that I just cannot see developers pushing the limits of, an, of a Scarlet and still willing to pull that back for Switch. Yeah. I mean, I think these next-gen consoles are going to sell very, very well. So, we'll have to see. We just will. <clears throat> that was a weird little burp-like hiccup. Thing yeah, that was. It was disgusting. I think you should apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to our end game, Chad. <laughs> Moving into our end game, we've got three things to talk to you fine folks about today. One is Barf of the Month, as you heard earlier. It is Titanfall 2, and Holden had a hella good time. Look at that San Francisco hella already coming through. Hella Hell a good Hell time a- playing with y'all. If you want to play along with us Tuesday night, Titanfall 2 multiplayer on PS4. You all have it for free if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber. Uh, join Support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Respawn Fire. Literally costs you a dollar a month 
to get all sorts of cool shit, including this dope wallpaper. It, <laughs> your notifications are in front of it. Oh, my you notifications can see any of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really so dope. So much of our community has already uh, applied to all of the devices. And I love, mm-hmm. freaking loved seeing all those pictures come in on Twitter. Made me so happy that people love us enough to support us by putting our shit on their shit. It's great. <laughs> Uh, if you want to also vote, I, oh shit, we gotta release our poll for in like a week for August's game. If you want to vote on what yeah, August barf will be, support us on Patreon. I gotta put a list up. Next up, we have a subscriber, a Ryan's subscriber interrogative. This is the first time in about a month that we've had a Ryan subscriber interrogative. If you want to submit one, you can on Twitter at Fire. This comes from Dusty Dust E Hill email Hill says, "What game series would be the best slash worst?" In VR. This is actually a tough question. Because I've been surprised by some of the things that have worked in VR. Like, I didn't think third-person games work that well in VR. Moss is a lot of fun. Turns out they're the best experiences. Yeah. I really am dying to see a Mario game in VR. Where, like, hidden coins might be looking around the backside of a level or something like that. Dude, like, you kinda... fucking need to play Astrobot. I, I, yeah, I've, I've heard it's you really good. You need to play Astrobot. At work, there's like a demo reel I can see on one of the TVs, and it keeps showing Astrobot, and I'm like, damn it, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see it. But I also just think games like Reddit Redemption 2 would be amazing in VR, where, I mean, can we just create an a understanding for the conversation? Pro- processing power doesn't matter here. Oh, right. Yeah, this, this is just is like, just like dream dreaming. Yep. Yeah. Reddit Redemption 2 would be incredible in VR. Cyberpunk, though. If that game were a VR exclusive, I, I shit you not, I'd be buying a PC and a VR headset just to play that game in VR, because that would be unreal. It'd be unreal. My immediate go-to is always um, walking simulators. All of my favorite walking simulators. Edith Finch, mm-hmm. uh, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, I think are just like prime examples of things that would be excellent Excuse me, in VR. Some of my some of the most surprising things that have worked, like as I mentioned a few weeks ago, Blood and Truth, like seeing the realism and looking somebody in the eye and having their eyes follow you, like this little stuff like that, I think would be really cool for Cyberpunk or Red Dead. Mm-hmm. But what I'm more interested in is abstract kind of shit. Okay, like, like Bound. Uh, well, kind of like Bound, but also things like when you play uh, Tetris. What was it? Tetris Worlds? Tetris, Tetris Effect. That's what it was. Yeah. Tetris Effect, where you're just like encapsulated in this soundscape and you see the lights and different like places or that, that don't exist yeah. in world in the world that you are suddenly engulfed in. Or mm-hmm. um, um, Res Infinite. Like that game was... That is in VR, really, isn't it? Yeah. It, that was one of the, the first launch mm-hmm. games that I beat. And like, That's right. Being able to play through that is really cool. So like abstract shit. That you literally couldn't possibly experience in real life, I think, is the most exciting to me. What like something like flower? Flower, yeah. Fl- uh, yeah. Flying. Mm-hmm. Although, oddly enough, flight simulators are the worst games that I've so far experienced in VR. Is it because the resolution, though? No. It's just like, you would think that would be perfect, but it's just the control schemes. It, it just it's, it's so nausea-inducing. It's like, it doesn't work. Interesting. So not satisfying. Interesting. I'm curious how the bump in performance for next gen is going to improve that. PC gamers, I don't think have to worry about that as much. But console on PS4, you, you kind of. But it, that's not really what it is for me. For me, it's it's the control scheme. It's being able to 
orient yourself in a way where you don't know where down is, and suddenly you're like, oh shit, I don't know. Oh, am I, am I, I see like, what you're saying. Am I, I was kind of thinking more of like the controls like in the plane itself and like seeing all the controls and all that. Okay, I see what you're no. saying now. Okay. No, it's it's not not my cup of tea is flight simulators in VR. I feel like that could be fixed in software because you look at the thing about games like Resident Evil 7 that just, oh my god, it made me so... I was I was literally nauseous for about an hour after playing that. I forgot that's where you're going to go with that. You said Resident Evil 7. I was like, yeah, fucking phenomenal VR game. And then you're like, it made me <laughs> nauseous. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. But I played other games that are not exactly Resident Evil 7, but in a similar kind of first-person perspective vein that I had no problem with. So I think a lot of that might just be too how it's coded. Yeah. And also, and of course, there's the variety out. of comfort options you can put on, too. Yeah. For all sorts of games nowadays. But I, what I really want to see, and I don't have anything VR to like play games on right now, but I really want to see more things like Super Hot in VR, where like sense of space is super important. Yeah. That's kind of my gold standard for VR, is Super Hot. But I don't know, it's kind of hard to say like what would be the be- one of the best experiences in VR, because I've been so surprised by things I wouldn't expect to be good in VR. Like, who would have thought that diffusing a bomb in vr would be a blast no yeah. pun intended <laughs> god fucking beat saber but beat saber is the kind of thing that you look at and you're like you know that's going to be so fucking cool when you see a demo of that <laughs> um i guess we really haven't answered the question what game series would be the best or worst i mean i read it redemption 2 and cyberpunk i think would be really amazing yeah. mario would be really amazing worst Star Fox. gross get out <laughs> <laughs> best I would love something like space related, but not a flight thing. Like, you know, astronauts doing a spacewalk kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Or like being on a space station or like I did Farpoint. Mm. Farpoint exploring Mars and shooting giant bugs. That was fucking cool. No Man's Sky. Nah, that's a flight simulator. And then you go down and you just shoot it's rocks. It's not a, lot. a flight simulator. It's just you can fly if you want to. You can spend all the whole right. game. You can fly you or you can go down and shoot rocks. Those are the only two things you can do in that game. There's a lot more to that game now. There's a ton more <laughs> to that game now. Well, thank you, Dusty Mail Hill, uh, for your subscriber interrogative. It'd be easy is, is electronic, so it's Dust Electronic Hill. No, it's email. It's email? It's email. So the E in email stands for email, so it's email mail. No. The E in Dusty Hill stands for email. <laughs> <laughs> it's his middle name. <laughs> Last up, we have Game On Game Show, the gaming show on a game show called Game On, the game show, game on, game on, play game. We have a follow-up to last week's Mary Fuck Kill 2019 Part 2, where we decide, yeah. of the games coming out in the next six months, which ones do we want to fuck, which ones do we want to marry, and which ones do we want to kill. Again, these don't have value judgments associated with them, so the game we want to fuck the most does not necessarily mean it's the best game or the game we're most looking forward to. It's just like, which of these games do we want to fuck? The only games that do have a, ja- a value judgment are the ones that we decide to kill because obviously we don't give a shit about those games or they're just not important to us. So this is part two. Last week we went through, what, 12 games, 18 games? I think it was 18 games, 16 games, something like that. Yeah. And we decided of those in each triplet, which we would fuck, marry, and kill. Today we are going to decide which game we are ultimately going to fuck which game we are ultimately going to marry, and which game we are ultimately going to kill. So I've gathered all six fucks, all six marries, and all six kills, and we're going to go down them in pairs and just say, all right, of these two, which should we fuck? Of these two, which should we fuck? And then it comes to one final one. We're going to start with kill. Because I feel like kill is going to be easier. So the first pairing in which game we would kill for 2019 Part 2, 
Monster Hunter World Iceborne or Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3? This is a tough one only because I wouldn't mind if both of them died. (laughs) (laughs) Here's also the weird thing. The one we kill moves on to the next round. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the one that... (laughs) I'd say Monster Hunter in that case. I think we can both agree on Monster Hunter. You want to play Marvel Ultimate Alliance. I do want to play Marvel. Okay, yeah. So that maybe is the thing. I will play Marvel Ultimate Alliance. I want to play Marvel's Hunter World, but I don't think I'll ever get around to it. We should just pick. Here's the winner. I mean, loser of that. <laughs> so we're killing Monster Hunter World. Iceborne. Next pairing: Astral Chain and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I'm gonna say Call of Duty Modern Warfare just because there's zero chance I'll play that. But if I heard Astral Chain got really good reviews, I would play that game so let's yeah kill Call of Duty. Astral Chain got good reviews and there was a demo and somebody else bought it for me I would probably play <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's gonna be great it just doesn't look like my game at all but you play you like Bayonetta a lot it's an action game like that it just has this like kind of dual mechanic to it I don't know. I think there's a chance you might end up playing this, just, that game this year this is another one of those games that I just don't remember like I see a trailer for it and I immediately forget it again yeah uh, so we're killing Call of Duty Modern Warfare Yes. Last game that we're killing is between Blair Witch and the Outer Worlds. How did the Outer Worlds are on this list? Blair Witch. <laughs> Blair Witch is going on. Because I am going to play Outer Worlds this year. Are you going to play Outer Worlds or are you going to play Outer Wilds? Outer Worlds, That's how I this ended difference. up on this list because we couldn't I, figure out the difference. I know the difference. I know what I see. I don't know anything about Outer Wilds. I know much, much, much more about Outer Worlds. I know that Outer Wilds is a game that people confuse with Outer Worlds, but I know Outer Worlds. It's is a out- game from Obsidian. I was just about to ask, is Outer Worlds out yet? But no, obviously if it's on this list, it's not out yet, you idiot. Exactly. Um, here's the thing. Blair Witch seems like it could be interesting. Outer Worlds, people have gotten hands-on and said that it is good. So I think we're going to kill Blair Witch. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to agree with you. We're going to kill Blair Witch because Outer Worlds does sound pro- promising. All right, then our final three games to decide which one we kill for good. Like, which is our kill game of 2019 Part 2? Blair Witch, Monster Hunter World Iceborne, or Call of Duty Modern Warfare? Which game do we kill? This is where it gets tough. Call of Duty Modern Warfare. (laughs) This is where it gets tough. Sure, let's do that one, Chad. Let's do it. (laughs) Because I do have any interest whatsoever in the other two. Yeah, that's fair. Great. Let's kill it. That is the game. I just said, this is going to be tough. It's the easiest decision we ever made the entire, <laughs> entire game. Yep. <laughs> All right. Our official Respawn Name Fire kill game of the second half of 2019 is Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I think we should do this for every half of a year. I agree. This, is a, this has been a lot of fun. All right. Next up, Mary. Again, we have three pairings. The first pairing, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Borderlands 3. Oh, we're going to battle on this one. <laughs> I have no interest in Borderlands 3 at all. It'd be on my kill list for the year. But Star Wars gets me excited because the gameplay looks really cool. And you might say, oh, but it looked like a lot. But everything keeps saying Metroidvania kind of style mechanics, flying in a ship and going to different worlds. I think this game is going to be fucking dope. And honestly, it's made by Respawn, who I've played Apex Legends here. Mechanically, awesome. Played Titanfall 2 this past week. Mechanically, awesome. It's got to be Star Wars, dude. It's got to be. See, Borderlands 3 for me 
I wa- all I want is more of the same, but with new dialogue and new quests and things like that. That's all I want from that game. And that You'd be appears like that's all it's DLC going to be for Borderlands Two, basically. Basically, yeah. And that yeah. Uh, new characters to play as, and that appears to be what it is. And they're leaning hardcore into that, which I do. You want to marry that though. And then Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is like I'm hitting age forty. I might want a Corvette and something younger out there. <laughs> that looks fresh and something I've never had before. It's a Star Wars game, which traditionally I've never really been like super into Star Wars video games. I played Super Star Wars on the SNES a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in, in general, Star Wars games just haven't really done it for me. I tried KOTOR. But this, this it it's looking promising. I'm so skeptical and so hesitant because of EA's track record and, sure. and what Star yeah. Wars games have been for the last 10 years, but... Think about what EA's done right this not this year, but like really this generation. <laughs> Apex Legends, made by the same team that's making this game. And I'm telling you, when you play Titanfall 2, you're going to go, maybe it only first-person shooters that well, much, maybe not. The mechanics are so solid. To be honest, Apex Legends was largely developed before Respawn was purchased by EA. But it's still made by that team, is my point. It's like mechanically, the game... EA's not going to go in and be like, dude, these mechanics are too good. Fuck them up a little bit, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I can't, I, can't, I can't say that we can attribute much of that game to EA. Uh, that had to be completely... Um, my point was about, it's just about but, the mechanics of it. Yeah, The mechanics of Titanfall 2 and Apex Legends are very, very, very solid. Yeah. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. It, the demo didn't blow my skirt up. I did like some of the combat stuff. But then, from hearing all of the impressions of the behind the closed doors demos and things like that, like this, this could be, this could be the tits. Yeah. I I can feel you where Borderlands Three is safe. Yeah, because you, you know what to expect with that, and you don't really know what to expect with Jedi Fallen Order. I'm I'm but okay. I'm never going to vote for Borderlands Three. I'm okay 3. <laughs> with going Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order with the understanding that we might get a divorce later. <laughs> <laughs> this is america after all you can do that now uh number pairing number two for mary the surge two and man of i looked it up right before this podcast medan it's medan medan, it's medan. 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 yep medan okay it is indonesian man oh, of medan okay. um surge two and man of medan what are your thoughts chad i started off last time Surge 2, 100% all the way. Man of Medan is going to be fun. And I, I'm going to play it a little bit. But Surge 2, I'm going to fucking... I'm going to deep dive my dick right into that thing. <laughs> when is it? August? September? I don't I don't know. When does Let's the Surge find out 2 together. come out? <laughs> when does it come out? These... I feel like it's end of August. Surge 2 release date. September 24th. God, I can't fucking wait. I'll take it, because I didn't finish the Surge 2, but I really enjoyed what I did. But I paid most of it. I really enjoyed what I played of that game. I think diversity is what I wanted some more of in that game, and I, apparently that's a focus. They wanted to kind of diversify the environment a little bit more, so I'm very curious what they do with that game. So I'll, I'll pick that over. I, I know what Man of Medan is going to be, and I'm yeah. excited for it. But Surge 2 is that's that Souls like game that I just love. So, yeah, let's do it. Then, our last pairing for Mary do we marry Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening? Yes. Or Doom <laughs> Eternal? 
here's the thing. Technically, I have played Link's Awakening before, but I love that art style. Right, you dipped your pen in that company ink before. It's like, it's at this point, it's like, hey, I'm remarrying Link's Awakening. We You're renewing before, your vows. <laughs> renewing our vows, yeah. <laughs> Doom Eternal, that's really tough. I'm, I'm going to pick Link's Awakening just because I'm really excited to pay, play that kind of style of Zelda game on the Switch, specifically. I think yeah. that's what most intrigues me about it. Doom Eternal, again, I know exactly what to expect from that game. They seem like they're doing some cool stuff with it, but I, I know what to expect from that game. And I know what to expect from Link's Awakening. So in that case, I kind of am on the same page with both of them. But I just really adore that art style in Link's Awakening. I just love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm renewing my vows. I have to, I have to renew my vows with you because having never played more than 10 minutes of any Doom game aside from Doom VFR, mm-hmm. I, I can't say that I would marry Doom Eternal over Link's Awakening. And I've beat Link's Awakening and a lot of Zelda games, so I've got to go with the tried and true. All right. All right, and then finally, our merry game of the year comes down to Zelda, Link's Awakening, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and The Surge 2. Which of these games are our merry game? I think yours is going to be The Surge 2. I feel that's what you're going for. Mine, honestly, is is like I'm waffling between Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and The Surge 2. Like, The Surge 2 is like the girl that I have... And Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is like, if I had just like a little bit more confidence, that could be the girl I end up with for the rest of my life. Well, I'm between two as well. The one I'm between is Link's Awakening and Star Wars. So I think we can both agree on Star Wars. Shit. Are we about to marry Star Wars together? We're about to marry Star oh Wars together. Oh my God. I actually did not expect this when we started this last week. Me neither. The game we are marrying for the second half of 2019 is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> Watch neither of us buy it when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, and arguably the most important, which game are we going to fuck? Starting with pairing number one, Damon X Machina and Wolfenstein Youngblood. Honestly, Wolfenstein Youngblood. Again, don't give a shit about f- them Gundams or robots. Yeah, and that yeah I'm going to agree music. with you just because I don't really care about either of them. But if you really want to fuck that game, and I'm not I'll into hate fuck fucking game. either, or like angry fucking, that I feel like Damon X Machina yeah. would provide. Yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun. But if we just blew up a Nazi base together, and we want to celebrate fuck, hell yeah. <laughs> Next pairing. Next pairing, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Gears Five. Which game are we gonna fuck? I'm going to fuck Pokemon Sword and Shield. Are you going to fuck Pokemon? What makes you fuck Pokemon Sword and Shield? I'll enjoy it. I won't enjoy Gears 5. <laughs> You're going to put your peen right in that new Corgi Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, there are, when there it's are hundreds megasized. of Pokemon. What's the, what's the big giant Pokemon name again? The big giant Pokemon? Oh. Di- not digit. What is it? Oh, um, over-maxinated. Oh, what is it? Anti-vaccinated. <laughs> uh, Dynamax. Dynamax. That's what it is. <laughs> From the creators of Cialis comes Dynamax. <laughs> are you are you old enough to remember those Comedy Central late night commercials? No, I just remember the Vi- Viagra ads of like, uh, is there something different about you, John? John, did you get a haircut? And it's like, no, I just got Viagra. <laughs> Do you remember those? That's there was the the Enzite commercials. They had that little. Doo, 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 doo. This yep. is Bob. 
Bob's going golfing. He feels extra confident in his big giant swing or whatever it is. Um, yeah, Gears 5. I think Gears 5 ended up on this list. I don't remember where we paired it. Oh, it was paired up against um, Star Wars and Monster Hunter, which is why we chose to fuck it over those two. And I feel like my reasoning was, can you imagine getting torn to pieces by Marcus Phoenix? If you want to get fucked if, and make it count, that's the way you go. That's but not that's appealing. not going to be pleasurable necessarily. No, but I feel not like for us there are someone a, maybe, but not there us. are 151 different ways you can get fucked in Pokemon Sword and Shield. There's and more one than of them's that. Gonna feel good. Is there going to be more <laughs> than that in this new game? Well, they usually have a few hundred because there's the Pokemon you get after you complete the game too. It kind of opens. Remember, up. that's only silver, like. That's the only one that actually has two worlds in it. I'm not talking about two worlds. I'm saying like news. I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure most Pokemon games there's like a collection of Pokemon you can get before you beat the Elite Four, and then there's some more you get after the Elite Four. I don't think that's, that's like a, a post game content. I don't thing. think that's a thing. You can for most games like trade Pokemon from other games to it. No, but I, I don't that. think you can yeah. catch other Pokemon after you beat it. There, there was a Pokemon game where like it started off like. Was it black and white or X and Y where, like, the first set of Pokemon you see is only the new Pokemon? And then after that, after you beat Elite Four, then you can start collecting some, like, the Kanto region Pokemon. I I didn't play those, but you know what? Dustin Email Hill, you have a Pokemon (laughs) podcast. Write in and let us know whether that's a thing. How wrong we are. (laughs) Just let us know whether it's a thing. How wrong I am. I'll leave that out. has to be wrong because we stand on the opposite side of the argument, but let us know. Uh, so yeah, I think I'm gonna go with fuck Pokemon Sword and Shield as well. Also cool. Fuck that sword, uh, that Shield Beard dog. <laughs> I've also decided I'm getting Shield Beard. I'm getting Shield. I thought I thought we agreed. You're getting Sword. I was getting Shield. I already. Thought we were First of all, we didn't this. agree on anything. Second of all, we're our own people. We can get whatever okay, we want. We signed a contract. Okay. We don't have to get opposite things. We do because we have to trade Pokemon. How many Pokemon did we trade in Let's Go? How many Pokemon did we trade well, in Alpha uh, Sapphire did you beat and Ruby? Let's go? Omega Ruby. Yeah, I beat Let's Go. Oh, you did? I didn't. I know. So. Remember when I got Omega Ruby or Alpha Sapphire and you got Omega Ruby? How many Pokemon did we trade there? None. All of them. I got all the Pokemon because None we traded together. Shut up, Chad. Ignore facts, okay? <laughs> Last pairing. Are we fucking Control or are we fucking Death Stranding? Now we're in a pickle. Because <laughs> neither of us have... Oh, wait, all right. we, but we both played Max Payne. Well, you didn't beat it. I beat it, but but I've also never played a Kojima game before. I feel like Control is so intriguing to me. Death Stranding obviously is intriguing, and I know it's going to be wacky and crazy, and I understand but, Kojima's brain. But we don't know what it is. But Control, we know what Control is. Control's that good good. That's that unknown yeah. good. Yeah, I'm going to go with Control just because, like, I don't know what I'm getting involved with the Death Stranding. I don't know what kind of diseases it might have. Right. I, it I could don't be some, like, weird I... orgy. Everyone's wearing masks, and they're putting, like, nacho cheese dip up your butt and yep and you don't even ask for it like some guy just comes right. over it's like you're at the orgy you want this it just does it to you exactly like, you have no idea yeah. what you're getting into but with control it's like hey do you want to come over and netflix and chill yeah yeah I come over and netflix you and also chill. have some weird cool powers that might feel good on my butt great let's do control <laughs> we're gonna fuck control all right and then our final pairing control Pokemon Sword Shield, Wolfenstein Youngblood. What is the game we fuck in 2019, part two? Between me, for me, it's between Pokemon and Control. I think for me, it is between Control and Control. Okay. 
So, all right. Woo! We're going to dip our peens. We're going to DP control. I'll say the three games we ended up picking were not the ones I thought we'd end up with at the very end. Again, these are not value judgments. This is just the games oh, that I marry, kill, and fuck. Oh, I know. I just, I, I'm surprised. Can you read off the full list of games? See the full list of games? I'm curious what all the competitors were. So here's what we chose. We fuck control. We marry Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. We kill Call of Duty Warf- Modern Warfare. The remaining games were Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 Black Order, Wolf and Sun Youngblood, Astral Chain, Blair Witch, Man of Medan, Monster Hunter World, Iceborne, Gears 5, Borderlands 3, Damon X Machina, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, The Surge 2, The Outer Worlds, Death Stranding, Pokemon Sword and Shield, and Doom Eternal. First of all, all that's a fucking solid lineup for the next six months. Yeah, it really is. Yep. And yeah, really, like if you would have asked me at, at the end of this, maybe I would have predicted we killed Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Maybe. Although I would have totally guessed something else too, like Astral Chain or something. Like Astral Chain? I don't know. Like, or Damon X Machina. Great. What would you fuck, everybody? Send us a picture of someone you'd fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Allison Bree. Don't do that. Tom Hardy. Don't do that. Whoever it is, send us a picture of it or the game cover. I don't know. Just interact with us. Be our friend. Please. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for game on game show and that's it for our episode tonight um again go to patreon.com slash respawn aim fire support us play along with us help us vote on our next game that we play in august and get some dope 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 wallpapers i will have a list up very soon for that cool 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 uh and then also subscriber interrogatives send those to at respawning fire or respawning fire at gmail.com interact with us on the show and join us on Tuesday night, which is tonight, if you're listening to this day one, for some Titanfall dose. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We love you so much. And until next time, here's our usual sign-off. Ain't that right, my baloney? <laughs>